Up next on episode 22, Joel and Jeff cover the launch of Stack Overflow and have an extended discussion with Josh Millard of Metafilter on how to design social software for the web on IT Conversations. Hi, this is Phil Windley. Today I'm excited to bring you another great program from Stack Overflow with Joel Spolsky and Jeff Atwood here on IT Conversations. The Conversations Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we need your help. For a tax-deductible donation of as little as $5 per month, you can support this channel and the rest of the Conversations Network. So please visit conversationsnetwork.org to become a member and help us continue to bring our programs to the world for free. Our audio files are delivered by Limelight Networks, the high-performance content delivery network for digital media. And now, here's Stack Overflow. Hello. Okay, so the technology is working now, and the bamboo for our lobby has arrived. Ooh, neat. We're in the new office, and uh, it's going to be really, really noisy. There's a guy doing some drilling to install the shelf for the AV gear where we would install all the electronics that we need to play rock band in the new office. Um. So there'll be some noise from that. And none of the walls are here or the doors to any of the offices. There's this plan was that the front of every office would be a glass wall with a sliding glass door. Mm-hmm. But those are nowhere to be seen. And apparently they're coming in mid to late October. Are you guys, do you guys have the computer set up so you can actually work? You have the internet and stuff like that? Yeah. And in fact, uh, our system administrators did just a, um, a fantastic, uh, a heroic, made a heroic effort. Um, came in on the weekends, uh, came in on the weekend while everything was being moved and pretty much had everything up and running for us um, by the morning. Oh, there's a guy who's bringing, this is not good. <laughs> <laughs> is a one-man band approaching? There's a guy delivering a shelf. Hey, Liz. Uh, it looks like they're they're delivering, I mean, they're delivering this couch here and it needs to go where the uh, dumpster is. The dumpster is. Although, actually, you know, they can... I guess they're going to set it up tomorrow, maybe, so it doesn't matter. All right. Probably safe. They're moving the dumpster. Oh, Bob, I just glided by on a, on a scooter. We've got... Uh, people are bringing in scooters and bicycles and stuff now because the office is much bigger than it used to be. Mm-hmm. Than what we used to have. Right. So it just takes a real long time to get all the way down to the other end. And it's just a long, straight shot from uh, Rector Street to Broadway Avenue. You can check it out on Google Maps. Look up 55 Broadway, right. you'll see. And we basically go from one street to the next. Uh, that's cool. That's very cool. Do you guys don't have segways yet, though? Um, that would be good. That would be good. I'm all for segways. I'm all for segways. Yeah. That's fair. So th- the big news this week, in addition to you guys getting moved in, which is cool, yeah. is, of course, we have uh, now I have a public website. Oh, yeah. Congratulations. We launched. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you wrote a blog post, and then I wrote a blog post. And I think the amazing thing to me is that the site is still up, because I really wasn't <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, I really didn't know. Um, yeah. It's just hard to do that level of load testing. Uh, but the site has survived. And just to give you an idea of the dramatic increase in uh, load, our CPU graph used to be at about 2 to 3% most of the time, mm-hmm. actually very minimal, even under pretty heavy private beta load mm-hmm. and now it's pretty regularly at above 50 percent like sustained well wait a minute wait a minute um when i uh when i publish something on my blog at least there's always like a day or two of heavy traffic that that generates mm-hmm. uh, but then it ends i mean well, right, sure. it subsides a little bit and i'm sure the sure. same is true if you and i also send out an email to uh i don't know fifty-two thousand people who subscribe to my email newsletter what a blast from the past that is email newsletter what's that right <laughs> so anyway yeah, you, you would assume this is some kind of worst case scenario right this is probably more attention than we are going to get later which I, is good because we got to have some room to scale there'll be uh, there'll be a lot of attention now uh but but then there'll be like that that'll be sort of covering up an underlying growth curve so once the noise goes away there'll be some some pretty heavy growth there right i actually got an email from jeff we, we did hook up you know Google Analytics, and I do have some actual numbers if you want to hear them for day one. Oh yeah, totally, totally. Um, so on day one, uh, just random numbers here. So 1,500 questions were asked 
And wow. in context, during the entire length of the beta, I think we had 8,500 questions. Mm-hmm. And that was a month and a half. So in one day, we generated a pretty sizable percentage of everything that was done during the beta. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost 6,000 answers. Uh, 1,700 comments were left. Mm-hmm. Uh, 62,000 unique visitors. And almost 700,000 page views. 700,000 views. 700,000 page views in in a day? Yeah. Wow. A day. Right. Well, (laughs) our our site is kind of amenable to people looking at pages (laughs) over and over, right? I mean, you want to see the new questions, you can see. Yeah. So it's kind of say it's going to be refreshed a lot. One of the things that struck me as, um, um, you know, how we we talked last week about how we're all stupid. So here's a stupid thing that (laughs) some people said. Yes, people were. Uh, you know, a lot of people had been commenting saying, "Well, Stack Overflow is great with this elite super duper beta with very few people coming in." But what's going to happen when a million people flood in and all start asking questions? Yes, uh, and your questions only stay on the homepage for you know what is it now, like two minutes instead of fifteen minutes or something. Uh, the lowest I saw it get during the beta was about twenty minutes. Yeah, now it's it gets down to two minutes, so there's it's ten times higher. But we also, but the point is that we also have. 10 times as much as many viewers, as much traffic. Yeah, and so true. those those 10 times, I mean, it's still seen, a post, even though it survives for less time on the homepage, it's still seen by about the same number of people. Yeah. So yeah. I, I actually don't think, I think the only problem is if the unanswered questions count starts climbing uncontrollably. Uh, that might be a sign that we're not, that, that, that somehow... We've lost the balance because we really did have a balance in the beta where things were getting answers. They really were. Very, very very obscure questions weren't getting answers. And the only way to fix that is just to have gigantic scale where we've got, you know, a couple thousand, let's say a couple hundred thousand regular visitors. So there's likely to be somebody that knows about that QuickBooks XML integration with Visual Basic 4.0 bug. Uh, yeah. So for that, you need huge scale. You need Google. And that's something, you know, we were never going to be able to get good answers to those questions until we had uh, much more critical mass. But in terms of just like a person asking how to do X with some technology, uh, getting answers, um, their, their, their question is going to appear to about the same number of people as it would have before uh, the beta, even if it doesn't live as long on the homepage. Right. Um, assuming that the mix of people looking to answer and people looking to question is roughly the same. And then the demographics of the people that come into a real site are the same demographics as people that come into a beta. And I really think they are. I I really think they're pretty close. Well, I I do think, as we said many times before, one thing that works in our favor is that it's kind of a selective audience. I mean, it should really be programmers. I can't imagine any sort of random internet user coming to our page and really wanting to stay there for any length of time because it's just a bunch of technical jibba-jabba about really arcane things. (laughs) But that's Jupiter. that's the strength. That's that's why we think it's going to work. And yeah, we were lacking the long tail of programmers with the private beta. And mm-hmm. I did get one email from uh, Jason Cohen of Smart Bear Software, and I guess he works with Justin Standard. And Justin was the person who asked you at the the Business of Software conference about mm-hmm. the uh, community on questions. That was actually Justin. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're heavily involved with the site. And I got this impassioned email from him and Jason. Uh, Excuse me, and Justin, uh, urging us like not to take the site public. They were really deeply, deeply concerned about the eternal September thing of just you know bunches, yeah. hordes of random users coming in and just really diluting the quality of the site. But but I I don't actually think it it works that way. Like I don't I I guess I just don't agree that that's really a risk. I think the bigger risk is just having an insular community where you you don't have the long tail. So these really obscure questions can never really get answered. So I think there's a bigger downside to being clo- a closed community than an open one in our case. Now, if we were something like Yahoo Answers, maybe. And actually, this brings up a good point and a transition to uh, something I want to talk about. We're going to have like a, a special guest on this call. So Metafilter, um, mm-hmm. there was a nice topic on, on Stack Overflow on, on Metafilter, uh, and it got quite a bit of discussion, actually. And that was that was really a big honor because I've been a big fan of Metafilter. But Metafilter is a closed community. It costs five dollars to sign up at Metafilter. Uh, I'm looking at Wikipedia. That's something instituted in in late 2004. Um, but it's it's really kind of a selective community. 
You know, I mean, you can read it, of course, but you can't really participate or do anything unless you pay the five dollar uh, lifetime membership fee. It's really just a little barrier to get people in there, and the quality of the community is, in fact, very high. We have our own uh, five dollar barrier. What's that? It's called Open ID. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty about, minimal. That's a pretty minimal barrier. One of the, it's about five dollars. It's about five dollars of headache. I, don't, I I disagree. I, I one of my favorite threads, and I think I had to close this one because it was. Uh, you know, beta stuff was somebody was you know complaining about OpenID, and and then the, the the highest voted answer was I don't remember who this was, so I apologize. I think it was I'm going to make up a name. My name is Jim. I was a VB programmer for 16 years. I was able to sign up for this site. <laughs> so if you if you even if you're a Visual Basic programmer, you can have, you can sort of figure it out and actually make it work. Um, nice. Yeah, I, I think there's some you know complaints about it, but I think the people that are complaining about it, I I don't know. I just I don't get it. Like I, I think the status quo is so evil <laughs> of having just thousands of logins across thousands of sites. Yeah, no, I think that, if we could do something to help promote OpenID, that's worth it. Speaking of yeah. um, uh, Visual Basic programmers, another uh, uh, frequent um, uh, gripe um, that we've been hearing is uh, – there goes the vacuum cleaner. Another f- uh, frequent uh, gripe I, I, um, to the audience, I was telling Jeff earlier – um, that they're vacuuming in my office as a part of some construction project that's going on there. And he said, can we just do the podcast after they're finished vacuuming? And I said, yeah, that will be in November sometime. That's <laughs> not clear. There's, there's sort of an asymptotic long tail nature to construction on any kind of construction project. They just go slower and slower and slower as they get closer and closer to the end of the project. Right. Can you hear the vacuuming or is the, my, my excellent microphone? A little tiny bit. It's oh. not in any way obnoxious or anything like that. Well, yay, Sennheiser. So, uh, but the real point was, uh, yes. Oh, you mentioned uh, VB and another, um, I don't even want to say criticism, but kind of observation that we got um, uh, from a few people was that the site seems heavily .NET oriented. Uh, relatively like, you know, C Sharp and .NET are, are, the, are the biggest categories of, of questions. And I actually didn't think that, we were disproportionately .NET oriented. Now, I don't have statistics for this, but I actually believe that our distribution of tags is probably pretty close to the actual distribution of working programmers in the world. I don't think people realize just how common it is to be a C-sharp .NET programmer uh, because, because it's mostly the internal and the, and the uh, enterprise applications that do that. Right. And the people that make a lot of noise are like the bloggers with their Web 2.0 startups using the Ruby on the Rails. But uh, I just don't. I just think that actually our distribution of tags feels to me to be pretty close to the actual distribution of programmers working today. The actual technologies that people are using. I don't. I don't know that that's true. I mean, maybe a listener can suggest um, something we could compare ourselves to. Maybe um, maybe books or, or or job listings or something. Right. Yeah, I was actually surprised, and, and please, this is one of the major goals when we launched the site, was to be agnostic, right? We're not saying this is a place to discuss Windows programming. You know, this is just a place to discuss programming, period. And I think the, really the challenge for us is there's still lots of people, even though, like, I've <laughs> I've tried to make it really obvious, like, I have the little sidebar that says, okay, this is what a question should be. And I actually made it, like, bright yellow for new users now, by the way, so it's, like, really pops off the page. It's mm-hmm. like... Ask programming questions. And we still get questions that are just not remotely programming questions. I mean, they're computer-related, yeah. but they're not programming questions. And, and I feel bad, like, voting them down and stuff, but I, but I think we have to. And that's more the risk than not having, like, there was a huge, like, question about, like, bash tricks the other day, which I thought was very cool. So mm-hmm. we actually are getting, I've seen lots of Python questions, I've seen a handful of Ruby questions, um, there's quite a bit of activity around non-Microsoft-y sort of technology, which was an explicit goal, and I've been pleased with that. Yeah. Uh, I think the bigger risk is just people not asking programming questions. It's frankly a bigger problem to me than, you know, are we Windows-centric? I don't think we are. Well, what do you mean by, I mean, if it's a question that's just so, sort of like, uh, what's the best programming chair? That's kind of a programming question. Or right. that, that to me is fine. Uh, it, it's questions like, I'm having this problem in Windows XP. Oh, yeah, that I mean, if not. those were sufficiently, if those were, if there was a real way to tag those out of ex, out of view, you know what well, I mean? Like if they were, if they came in appropriately tagged and I never saw them, I wouldn't care personally. And that that goes back to the the, the question of tags. 
which I kind of want to bring up. The first time I tried to do a Q&A site, it was really just discussion groups. And there's still, there's still one of them, which is the .NET questions. Uh, on, on my homepage, if you click on .NET questions, there's a discussion group there, which I'll probably close down now that we have Stack Overflow, where people ask questions and answer them about .NET. And for some, some reason, like in the, in the past, I used to sort of think that the right way to uh, go about uh, building something like Stack Overflow would be to start small with something that you can easily accomplish and to go narrow so that you at least have a chance. Like I would generally tell people, you know, pick a, pick a narrower niche because it's easier to reach the people that are in your niche. So maybe I would have said, you know what, let's just make a site for uh, Ruby programmers trying to learn Python. You know, it just picks a narrow little thing. And then if that's really successful, then you can kind of expand it. And you, you see all these Q&A sites out there for individual technologies, the Microsoft. You know, there's a lot of Microsoft SQL Server sites, four or five of them. In fact, those are notorious for being behind uh, pay paywalls. And um, uh, obviously, there's, uh, you know, there are great sites for uh, other technologies, Ruby, um, uh, what was the one? Uh, I keep forgetting the new the Delphi. There's there's great Delphi sites and stuff like that. Um, but the idea of tags really allows you to just make one site, make it super broad, and not worry about it, and not have to reach anybody. Just say just tag it, and and uh, and it's it's really kind of working in a way. I mean, think of even think of like the original Usenet, um, which had. Uh, um, I'm sorry, I'm being distracted because they're rearranging the couch in my. That it was just delivered. <laughs> well, there was a there was a hierarchy of news groups early on. I don't yeah. know the history of it, but that's effectively like tagging when you have, you know, this explicit hierarchy. Although we do not have a hierarchy, we just have you know random tags that are applied to applied to questions. Mm-hmm. And some people actually want that rigid hierarchy, but I just I don't know of a way to do it that's in any way like a giant pain in the butt for no. us and. It's, it's so much better not to have to find the right place in the hierarchy just to be able to randomly tag things to make up a new tag on the fly. You yeah. know, yesterday I was the person to I was the first person to use the tag for the DHTML edit control. Um, you know, an obsolete piece of technology that I'm still working with um, to my chagrin. Right. But uh, uh, but that tag is correct, and it and and in fact it's also tagged VB6 because that's VB6 code. And you know what? I got a great answer to my question that I asked. I, I asked how to implement smart quotes using VB6 in the DHTML edit control, and I got mm-hmm. code that did it. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's the ultimate measure. It's it's like is it actually working in practice? In other words, if you ask a question, mm-hmm. a real question, not a BS question, mm-hmm. with some problem that you're having, do you in fact get an answer? And I've repeatedly gotten emails, many, I would say at least ten, from people who are like, "Wow, that's what I did. I asked a question about something that was hard and obscure, and I got a really good answer." Another thing so, that I thought was uh, that I think is funny about uh, I guess this is a third point of criticism that we're getting, which is, well, look at this question. It has two bad answers and one even worse answer, and the worse answer has more votes. And it's like, okay, go vote it up. <laughs> yeah. That's why there's a little vote button right there. You can provide a new answer. In other words, a lot of the criticism uh, was reminding me very, very much of the way the mainstream media responded to Wikipedia, which is when Wikipedia was first coming out, you would see all these mainstream media articles saying, well, I went to Wikipedia and I looked up this, that, and the other thing, and this was wrong and that was incorrect, and the other thing just didn't have an article at all. And literally by the time this thing made it into print and was in people's hands in the black and white newspaper printed on newsprint paper and delivered to somebody's front lawn with a rubber band around it for the birds to poop on, uh, by the time this had arrived there, those Wikipedia entries had all been fixed. Right. And... Uh, uh, and I think that's what people miss the point about the editing and the answering is that, you know, you can say, oh, here's an example of something that's not right. But when you have a malleable site, it just gets better and better and better. And so whatever argument you try to use, it's just going to get weaker and weaker and weaker. Right. Yeah, that's totally fair. Well, let's go ahead and let's try to add Josh to the call. Okay. Um, this is one of the MetaFilter, one of the core staff there. There's, let's see, one, two, three, four, five people total. So he's one of the main team. Uh, he's on standby, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and attempt to add him. Let's see how this goes. Uh, to our call, add caller, Josh. Okay. Oh, it's it ringing. Yeah, it's ringing. Let's see what happens here. You dingy. Uh, you know, it just ended the call recording and started a new one. 
That's okay because I can merge them if this really if it can merge them. Said okay, that's good. Hi, Josh. So, uh, Josh, welcome to the call. Um, Thanks. Yeah. Am I, uh, am so I know? Is, go ahead. Am I coming in okay here? I'm, uh, yeah. It's a, kind of a fiddly setup. Okay, good. Yeah, you sound great. You sound wonderful. Great. Well, Josh, so you. It's, it's, are you on an airplane using the the Wi-Fi on American Airlines with a laptop? I'm actually using a. I'm using the uh, built-in mic on a MacBook Air was my main concern. Oh. Um, I didn't know how good that was going to sound, but if it's coming out okay, then we're in good shape. I'm actually yeah. going over a, a Sprint EVDO card, um, which has been pretty rock solid since I got it. So, so yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you for taking the time to do this. So let's open. Let's let's talk about uh, MetaFilter. For people who may not know what MetaFilter is and who you are and what that's all about, could you sure. maybe just talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, <laughs> what is MetaFilter is one of those weird, unanswerable questions. But uh, the stock line at this point is it's, uh, it's a community weblog. It's uh, essentially a sort of collaborative uh, blogging site on the front page, metafilter.com, where uh, anybody in the user base can make a post on whatever subject. It's a very generalist uh, sort of everything goes uh, place, kind of in the same circles as what you might think of as like Boing Boing or, or Reddit if you just took only the 20, 30 top posts and didn't make it quite so, I don't know, tech-centric. Um, right. But everybody in, the, everybody in the community has a right to post. Uh, everybody in the community has the right to comment in threads. So somebody makes a post, everybody jumps in and talks about it. Some get a whole lot of discussion, some not so much. Um, but that's the that's sort of the classic metafilter function. Um, a few years ago, we also started Ask Metafilter, which has become probably the most heavily visited part of the site, uh, where folks can go to ask questions to get answers. Um, you had mentioned you, you saw the uh, the thread yesterday on Metafilter, uh, where from uh, Metafilter user side you can see some of the discussion in terms of Stack Overflow uh, versus Ask Metafilter, um, which I thought was kind of interesting seeing those two going against each other. But you you can see sort of the identification people have on the site with that function as well. Um, so that's basically the two big things the site does. It also has some other subsites um, that are less well trafficked. Uh, but I'm one of the three moderators there, uh, Matt Howie. Uh, of course, started the site back in, I think, July of 99. Um, and he's been running it since day one. Uh, Jessamine West has been moderating on the site since, I think, beginning of 2005. And I came on officially as a moderator early last year. So I've been doing it for about a year and a half now. But you've been, I know, I'm looking at your profile. I'm at a filter. And it says you've oh, been, yeah, a been there forever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, April 2001 is when I joined. Uh, spare time in college and meme pool didn't have enough posts on any given day. So, uh, yeah, right. I, I've been hanging around there forever. Um, and, uh, <laughs> grown up a little bit in the meantime, I definitely, uh, wouldn't want 2001 me, uh, moderating the site. So <laughs> yeah, 2001, it feels like so many years ago. It really wasn't yeah, it's, that long ago. It, it's strange. It's the, the sort of time dilation, especially with the internet, but uh, that's, yeah, that's very true. So I, I think a lot of people on the internet view MetaFilter as really a huge success story in terms of, and when I say success story, I want to qualify. So before you were on the call, we were talking about, well, how do you measure if things are working on Stack Overflow? And what I sure. said was, well, are people asking programming questions and getting good answers, right? That's the ultimate, I think, measure of any site is, is does the unit of work actually produce something useful? <laughs> I think that's what's amazing to me about MetaFilter is that People will ask questions that are actually very interesting questions that are very well researched on just any topic you can really think of and get this really amazing, really like useful discussion on it. Like not like your usable, you know, how is Babby formed type of discussion <laughs> that, that tends to, to occur. Uh, and, and in that sense, I think I know I looked at Metafilter as, an, as, a, as a site that we wanted to sort of emulate in some ways when building Stack Overflow. So I was very, very gratified to see all the discussion. And it was actually quite an ex extended discussion. I really enjoyed reading it uh, on you know, what Metafilterites thought of, of Stack Overflow and, and what we're doing there. Um, so, yeah, that, that was very exciting for me. And, and just having you on, I think, is very helpful. So I think the first question I have for you almost immediately is like, how does one become a moderator? It's a pretty select club. We have the same issue at Stack Overflow, although yeah. there's not a lot that moderators do that's unique, but one of the things that moderators can do is like sort of force things over the delete threshold 
um, and some other sort of high-level administrative tasks that I really wouldn't feel comfortable giving out probably ever to anyone, no matter how yeah. trusted. So how do you, how did that occur? Like, how do you, someone, you know, get blessed into being a moderator? On Metafilter, since um, really it's, it's only happened uh, twice or, or, or really, I should say, two and a half times, um, but Jessamine coming on, uh, that was a big actual move for Matt to bring her on because he'd been doing it by himself and just plain hadn't gone there previously. And it became, I think, as much as anything, a workload issue. But she had also displayed a really good sensibility towards Ask Metafilter ever since it launched. Um, and he saw that she was someone who really kind of got what was going on with the site, which is obviously important. Um, but that she was also someone with, you know, a pretty even temperament, someone who did not uh, so much wear her uh, proclivities on her sleeve. Um, she was able to, you know, disagree with someone without flipping out in classic internet fashion. Um, and I, I think it was really, that is what he ended up identifying in her was here's someone who is cheerful, someone with a good demeanor, someone who's good talking to people and who can actually state fairly why she made a decision and who really, really gets the site. Um, and I think, uh, having just glowingly described her and then saying, gosh, the same thing for me feels <laughs> a little self-serving, but you know, that's, that's how I got into, I, I, I was around. I spent a lot of time on sites, probably since about 2006, I became really kind of involved and interested. I spent a lot of time in meta talk, which is kind of the back channel part of the site where people can actually talk about site policy and moderation and what should fly and whether someone's misbehaving, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, oh, can we pause there? Cause th that's interesting to me. Cause I think one of the issues we have in stack overflow is it's become sort of like fight club where I don't really want people to talk about stack overflow on stack overflow because yeah. <laughs> you, you have this and, and it's kind of like, it's hard for us because we have aspects of wiki right? Which is like community ownership. But we also have aspects of individual ownership, strong aspects of individual ownership. Like you have a reputation system, you can vote on stuff. And yeah. these are kind of contradictory goals at some level, right? Like you can't service one without sort of, you know, taking away from the other in some regard. And I think one way this comes to a head is like on Wikipedia, for example, there's always the talk page. And to me, yeah. the talk page on Wikipedia was just like a jumble. Like I would go there and I'd be like, I can't even follow this. You know, it was like, I don't even understand what's happening on that page, right? So I kind yeah. of ignored it for the longest time. But I see the need for it now because you have a topic and then you have meta discussion about the topic. And those two are really very different audiences. And, exactly. But, but they're kind of demanding. So maybe you could talk a little bit about how you guys do that at MetaFilter. It sounds like there's like a special place and it's like somewhere off the site. Yeah, well, it's not off the site. It's, it's actually right there if you know to look for it. But it's... Uh, a lot of people don't necessarily know to look for it. Uh, Matt set up MetaTalk sometime, I think like eight months after he started the site. You know, it was right near the beginning of 2000, like March or so, um, because people were talking about MetaFilter on the front page. You know, it was natural enough. Right. People would post, say, hey, what's with this? Hey, look at the post. Hey, this guy's a jerk. Um, right. So he, he started up MetaTalk and uh, just started directing stuff that was, you know, meta commentary, as you say, towards that part of the site, you know, delete something and say, Hey, take it over there. If people wanted to have an extended argument that was derailing a thread, et cetera. Um, and a lot of people, when we sort of talk about what made MetaFilter work, MetaTalk is one of the things that they uh, mention if you talk to a regular from the site as being key to the success of the site, because it creates a sort of uh, release valve. You know, it's the same thing with the talk pages on Wikipedia because I had the same experience the first time I checked those out. Um, it's not necessarily comprehensible to a casual reader. It's like, what is going on here? But for the people who are regulars, for the people who develop a certain amount of passionate attachment to the site or really, really need to make their voice heard out of day one beyond just normal participation, you have this safe place that you can let people just sort of let their freak flag fly, as it were, mm -hmm. um, without damaging the core functionality of the site. You know, you don't have big messes on the front page. Um, right. So there's a pretty strong culture of regulars who hang out on MetaTalk, and that's kind of, insofar as you have, like, the big contributors and the big sort of serious regulars at any given site that makes up the core of the community, there's a strong correlation between that and who actually spends time on MetaTalk uh, dealing with policy stuff and talking about user issues. 
Right, I totally get that because I and I, I don't think this is one of the things about sort of designing social software that you don't really understand this stuff until you've lived it. And I totally get that now because <laughs> for the longest time I was like, just don't discuss this stuff here, you know, just just don't do it. Hey but Jeff, yeah. right. go ahead, Joel. Question. Um, I, I'm I'm kind of with you. I I used to like I still sort of really really hate when discussion groups become about a discussion group, and and one of the reasons. <laughs> I think my, my reason I look I, I just want to hear Jeff your reason why you why you were so viscerally against talking about Stack Overflow on Stack Overflow because you know my reason was always that uh, the questions were always newbie questions like why does this work this way and they were very 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 repetitive what would happen is people would wander into the site for the first time and immediately start asking all the same questions about it and so discussion of the site or of the discussion group on the discussion group was inevitably extremely boring to the people that had been there for more than 25 minutes. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, they could have read the FAQ, but, but, but people wouldn't. And people, you know, I think on Stack Overflow, every single day from now until um, the, 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 the end of the universe, you're going to have a person wandering in saying, what is this open ID? Can't we do this without open ID? And that's going to be <laughs> their first question that they ask. And you're going to have one of those, yes, until the heat end of the universe, officially. Yes. <laughs> uh, guaranteed, no matter what you ha- what happens. I mean, you, and then they'll be like, why are you downloading me to negative 364? I'm a newbie here. You guys are mean. <laughs> uh, did you, Jeff, did you have any other reasons why you don't like the site becoming a site about the site other than just the sheer arrogance well, <laughs> of well, a site that is about itself? <laughs> well, I think ultimately you got to view this as you're leaving breadcrumbs for the next programmers who come along. And I do not feel like leaving breadcrumbs about Stack Overflow is ultimately helpful to programmers. You know, the average programmer doesn't really care exactly how Stack Overflow works. They care about, if I ask a question, will it be answered? And that's kind of a solved problem at this point. I mean, that part actually works. Mm-hmm. So they, it's just noise, I think, to the average programmer. Yeah. Um, but I do feel that for people that are highly engaged with the system, these are your star users. And mm-hmm. I feel like if you alienate these users... You're kind of hurting yourself in the long run, and that's yeah. where I'm a little freaked out about it because the I feel like they're is, really. Go ahead. Can you make a place for them to socialize? That's what I'm looking at now. I yeah. think what we need is, and it, it the thing that sucks is we've almost made a system that's too good at the risk of sounding incredibly arrogant because it's really <laughs> easy. It's really easy to have a discussion there. It's so easy, right? It's just yeah. it's completely frictionless. And that was a goal. That was an explicit goal of the system. There's mm-hmm. no login, right? You just go in and start typing, man. And it works. And people love that aspect of it. And I think if we we got to reduce the friction. If we have a discussion forum, it has to be as low friction, almost as low friction as the site. I think there'll be slightly yeah. higher tolerance for logging. Well, and, and, it, it's interesting because, yeah, the, the whole format of the site really presents itself as, hey, go crazy with the questions here. And there's nothing glancing at the front page that really uh, – I, I set up an account all of 30 minutes ago, I think, so I'm sort of exploring it while we're talking. Right. Uh, but there's nothing on the front page that really shouts, don't talk about the site here, even though my way of thinking would be, okay, well, there's probably somewhere to talk about it. I, I found the uh, the uservoice.com uh, subsite poking around, which seems like sort of uh, a place where people can more talk about the site in a meta fashion. Um, uh, and I don't know if that's more in a bug slash feature request way, not an a. Yeah. How should we be moderating? Like that's one of yeah. the big threads that happened, and it's sort of a catch twenty two because I actually don't think people should really be moderating unless something really bad happens. Uh, yeah. Joel and I felt felt for a long time. And well, Joel more strongly than I, but I'm sort of coming around to Joel's way of thinking on this, that you don't really control the site so much as just let the voting do what it's supposed to do. If people don't like content that's on there, they will vote it down. And then below a certain threshold, it just sort of stops appearing in any major area of the site. Um, So if someone asks sort of a dumb question or something that's, you know, why can't I log into Windows XP? You know, it's not really a programming question. It just gets voted down. Nobody has to step in and really do anything other than vote. Um, yeah. And then for the, the things that do require moderation are really obvious, like really evil things. Um, and we have a – even in that case, you don't actually have to be a moderator. There's that little offensive link. Maybe that's a good question for you guys. I guess you, – so you guys have a pretty closed community because you have – it costs now $5 to register, which is just sort of like an arbitrary barrier that was instituted. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a speed bump. Um, right, which but I'm sure well. that helps tremendously. That's got to help a lot. In oh, terms yeah. of <laughs> but what kind yeah, of no, problems I, do you guys have with spam? Like, how do you deal with 
how much moderation do you do on a regular basis? Let me put it to you that way. Uh, well, at this point, uh, for I, I would characterize uh, my work at Metafilter as being basically a part-time job, um, but it's spread out across a given day the way uh, Jessamine and Matt and I all sort of do bits and pieces as we go along to be kind of a, a full-time job nonetheless because there is sort of a lot of trust built into um, being, being a Metafilter user. We, we mostly let people do their own thing occur. Um, mostly people are pretty good. There's a fair amount of community policing. If someone does something stupid, people will tell them so. They'll call them out uh, in the MetaTalk area of the site, for example. Um, but with spam, we actually don't deal with too much. The biggest kind of spam we get is people uh, dropping link spam into Ask Metafilter questions, especially old ones. Uh, we'll see people Google for something and they'll find an Ask Metafilter article in the first page results. Um, and then they'll sign up because they have a business selling widgets in that. And they'll say, oh, hey, I found this really great site called widgets.com. They're great. You should check it out. You know, and just, just link spamming because they know it's going to get some traffic. So we right. probably, we, we probably you know, see something like that uh, every day or two. Some days we see a lot of it. Um, every once in a while we'll get a honeypot question where a whole bunch of people will show up. Uh, there was a World of Warcraft account management question months ago um, that uh, – we went back and looked at random and found that like five or six different uh, WoW gold farmers had signed up over a period of a couple months and pitched their own various sites. And it was this whole little like spammer sub-community hiding in that one thread, which actually inspired us to build a new tool to look for answers coming in very late to threads that are otherwise, otherwise dormant. Um, so that's, that's kind of how we've dealt with it. That's the sort of thing we deal with is mostly people coming in trying to take advantage of the pretty good page rank that Ask Metafilter threads get, uh, or people who sign up explicitly to, you know, spam on the front page. You know, they sign up, uh, you have to wait a week, you have to make a few comments. It seems like a, a fair amount of people have figured out that this is the system because we'll see someone who waits a week, makes exactly the right number of comments to allow them to post, and then posts within, you know, hours of when they're first able to post. So at this point, we, we get an email every time someone makes their first post, tells us about it, we check it out. Sometimes it's a spit take and we ban them immediately. Sometimes it's someone who's a legit new user. You know, and to, to a degree, there's kind of that technologi technologically assisted profiling of how someone behaves on the site um, is a big assist for us in keeping the spam pretty much annihilated, which is one of those things that I, I, I find it very weird when I look at a site like Reddit or Dig or... Uh, uh, pretty vast uh, amount of, of the blogosphere, really, when you get down to it, that is much less tenacious, much more friendly to, you know, link spam and blog spam and astroturfing. Um, and I realize to some extent it's a matter of whether or not it's worth their time and energy to try and stop that. Because, you know, we, we're paying attention to the site every day, all day long, to make sure this stuff doesn't get out of hand. Uh, but so many sites seem to just not care, you know. I mean, hey, dig and yeah. Reddit. Josh, I disagree with you there. I, I have not seen spam on the homepage of Dig or Reddit for years. Oh, and and that's that that may be. This is this is one of those things where I, I I'm 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 annoyed enough at enough of this stuff that I'm going to probably be harsher in calling stuff spam than oh. uh, <laughs> some people might. You know, I I see people PR blogging, people posting their own stuff, and really using Dig and Reddit as an attempt, and maybe a less successful attempt as time goes on here. Uh, to more self-promote than actually do anything like actual organic link sharing. That sort of stuff, maybe, maybe that's not spam in everybody's book, but as far as I'm concerned, if the function of your site is to put interesting content out there and what people are doing is using it as a platform to jam their stuff out there and hope that other people uh, or... Well, if it's or, not, or if maybe it's not good stuff, systems. if it's not good stuff, it gets voted down. Early on in the, in the yeah. early days of Reddit, I think there was some some discussion and, and, and questioning about whether it was okay to post a link to something you had just written on your blog. And uh, they decided it was okay that you can post your own thing. And yeah. there was no reason to downvote it. Just, just go read it. And if it's good, vote it up. And if it's bad, vote it down. And so, yeah. um, in fact, uh, uh, Joel, it, you should explain yeah. your involvement with Reddit. So he has some context. <laughs> um, yeah, my involvement with Reddit is uh, nothing really, I guess. I just met those guys really early on. Uh, but you have your own Steve subreddit. That's, that's come on. You have you have the Joel Reddit. That's true. Well, that's Nobody, I don't so. have a Jeff Reddit. You can make one now. Uh, I could. 
can now. They actually added that feature. I, I'm not yeah. saying you're biased. I'm just saying you have a certain amount of domain knowledge. I'm not in any way yeah, calling yeah, you. Yeah, and, and that and that's fair. I mean, I, I'll I'll freely acknowledge that I'm coming obviously partly from kind of the culture and the annoyances we deal with on MetaFilter, which is very much you know there, there's very specific ways in specific parts of the site where you can do that sort of thing, and otherwise it's really just verboten. It seems um, to me, and I may be I may be missing something that's that's going on here, but it seems to me like just the idea of having a community vote is extremely effective at getting rid of spam very very quickly. Yeah, it's because the only way to definitely. fight it is to uh, make a bunch of fake accounts and have them all vote. And you know, spammers do do this, and so you need algorithmic ways to check for the people making a bunch of funk, fake accounts and voting things up. But uh, I, it's just been forever since I've ever seen something on the homepage that uh, I thought the community didn't want there. Now, now what the community wants is a whole other story because, you know, Reddit, for example, turned, uh, changed very much from kind of a hacker startup site with a little bit of a libertarian bent into... Uh, um, Ron Paul. Libertarian, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it just became... And for some reason, you know, there, there was a particular political community that just really fed on that and drove out everybody else. And, you know, there's, there's yeah. a certain amount of conspiracy theory and a certain amount of, you know, the, the Ron Paul business and, and, and the, you know, and everything that the mass media does is against us. And their favorite kind of article would be, you know, some, some injustice that was done to a ninth grader somewhere by their librarian. And, and that was the <laughs> ideal Reddit article. You would immediately zoom to the top. Uh, of the homepage, but okay, that that was fine, and in fact, that's the reason they created a Joel Reddit is because I told them, listen, one of the things that, I mean, my suggestion to them when they were, this site was barely even up yet, and there was nobody outside of Y Combinator using it, was that uh, that I thought that at some point there would it would become a self fulfilling prophecy where a small clique of people started voting up a particular type of article, driving away people that didn't agree with that politics or, or just disagreed, and eventually you would wind up with a a particular niche. Uh, and you could never become a horizontal application that everybody wants to use. You could never become like a huge mass success in the way that like Facebook is, because no matter what, you're you're eventually going to get very very like-minded people. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, and so and so I said you got to make it possible to make multiple Reddits. Let me make so as long as you're going to have these niches, you want to have a lot of them. You want to have it's fine. You want to be the atheist conspiracy conspiracy theorist site that's terrific but let me also make one for people that are interested in the business of software and and so that was what the joel joel reddit was and uh and uh and i think that idea that then the history is that they then um used this idea to build a site for Condé Nast uh, called lipstick i think i don't really know what the name of the site is something with lipstick in it and it's just a version of of reddit that, that Condé Nast sponsors and that introduced them to Condé Nast who bought the company so um <laughs> And, the and now they have, they have rolled out that feature. You can create custom subreddits yep. now. You can make as many as you want, and there are already a whole bunch. And in fact, you can do this really nice thing on Reddit, which I wish you could do on Stack Overflow, where you can say, I'm interested in programming and business and UFOs. And you'll get a homepage that shows you a bunch of all that stuff. Right. Yeah, no, that's still we're still working on that in terms of customization. We have some of the infrastructure, but yeah, I agree. So anyway, Josh, just to give you some of the background, Joel was pretty heavily I – mean, Joel yeah. knows Reddit really well. Like, uh, for example, I mean, not to be an elitist or anything, but I don't really go to Reddit <laughs> or dig. I really don't. Like, I sort of have my blogs that I follow. And I have – and I actually – one of the things I follow is the best of Metafilter feed. And one of the things yeah. I like about Metafilter is it's truly all over the map. Like, <laughs> I don't know if there's any one type of community on Metafilter. I view it as, like, people who are really good at the internet. If I had to characterize <laughs> Metafilter <laughs> – that's my really rough characterization. People yeah, no, it's, who really it, know the internet, like they're good at finding things, they're good at asking questions that are haven't been asked, and just curating these incredibly interesting things that aren't on Dig. Like Dig is like sort of mass popular culture. It's like okay, the Spice Girls, and the Metafilter would be sort of the people who are looking at the edges of this world and finding all the things that nobody else is finding. To me, that's yeah. Metafilter. Um, anyway. Yeah, that, that, that's probably that. That's probably my favorite part of what happens on the front page. I mean, you know, it, it's a mix. There's also a fair amount of news that shows up. We're trying not to be a news site. Not everybody gets that. It's sort of an ongoing uh, challenge with different perceptions of what the front page is all about. But uh, yeah, you see, you do see the same stuff that's going to show up on Boing Boing or on Dig or on Kotki. Um, but you also see, yeah, these wonderful sort of posts about something. You know, it's not just, hey, here's this link. It's, hey, here's this subject. You know, let me let me put together a really nicely crafted collection of uh, internet resources about something that not everybody knows about, which is really, yeah, it's, it's a great way to kill some time. If you've got a rainy day, just go to Metafilter and look for one of those posts. 
Right, and to clarify, when I talked about using metafilters or reference for Stack Overflow, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Where somebody comes in on some really narrow programming topic, but they really know their crap, and they actually are a little bit, they can write at some reasonable level. So they yeah. write up this problem in a way that's like telling a little story, of like here's this problem I had, here's all the things I did to try to fix it. And then people are having this conversation about this problem, and it ends up being this fairly definitive uh, resource about this problem in a way that an average person could actually understand if you had some programming background. Um, sure, yeah. So yeah, and that's one use of the system. Then there's sort of the, just the drive-bys of like you're talking about, just news of like some really quick and dirty thing uh, that they need to get to. And, and I think that's fine too. But I guess my perspective is a little bit skewed because I'm only seeing the best of Metafilter. And, and actually, how is that selected? Like, how does that work? Uh, well, which what what are you looking at? Is this? I know there's. I'm looking there's at a feed. I believe it's best of Metafilter um, on blog lines. I don't remember where I I got it from actually. Okay. <laughs> uh, see, I, I I'm a. This is maybe an embarrassing thing to say in my position, but I pretty much never uh, touch RSS readers. Right. Um, not because I don't like them, just because you know I, I I long ago developed a habit of going to the place that I'm interested in when I have the time to go there, and I find uh, feed readers still a little bit weird because it can be too much or too little at any given time. Um, so I we have a lot of RSS feeds built into the site, but I don't really remember which ones are which. Um, the best of may be driven by the popular favorites, uh, which I think is something we created the feed for relatively recently, like the last year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, it basically takes uh, sort of the equivalent to uploading on the site. Uh, there's a favorite function where every post and every comment can be favorited by a user. Uh, so doing that same sort of thing. We don't really use it for any sort of internal metric. Um, it's just sort of a way for people to both say, hey, this is neat, or keep track of it because they can go back and check through their favorites. It's sort of a bookmark function is how it was born. So walk um, me through the life cycle of, say I post a question that's just really a bad question. It, for a variety <laughs> of reasons. So how does this get flagged? First of all, there's there's just discussion. Essentially, the model is kind of like a the very much like you said collaborative blogging, right? So that's yeah. the model. Which I and obviously I have a hugely successful blog, and and Joel doesn't like to call his thing a blog, but it is in fact a blog. <laughs> so we know this model, right? And I allow comments on my blog. Joel doesn't. So I know how that works intimately, and and I believe it works really really well. But so you're saying there will be just sort of discussion in the comments saying this post sucks. <laughs> in well, a it, it, yeah, I mean yes, there will be. Um, the way we, we've got a flagging system built in. Um, uh, we don't really have up and down votes. We've got favorites, which can be taken sort of as up votes, but they don't do anything automatically except for stock, like the popular favorites feed. Um, but the flag system is kind of like a down vote, if you want to think of it that way, but it's it, it functions differently. They're not visible. It sends uh, a, a flag behind the scenes that we can see from the admin side. Um, can I tell so you we'll check in on Inter- just interrupt you real briefly. One mistake we made: we have a flag like that called offensive, and we made it visible, and that was a huge mistake. <laughs> yeah. Huge. Do not make that flag visible, because people would get like, for whatever reason, people would tag things offensive. Because who knows why people find things offensive? Like one thing I didn't want to do is have a drop down of like, here's 30 reasons. Pick the th- one of these 30 <laughs> reasons that you're marking. That's like, no, no, no. That's way too much thinking. You just you <laughs> yeah. think it's like Fif- the evil. Fifteen dollars. Fifteen dollars for a piece of checked baggage. Which is that? <laughs> is it spam? No. I mean, it's obviously offensive. <laughs> yeah, it's offensive, right? It's offensive to pay $15 for check baggage, but who knows? And people would see this, and they would freak out. Like, they would just get really yeah. kind of pissed, actually, that somebody found their thing offensive. So one of the earliest yeah. changes we made was like, okay, you can't see that anymore. Only moderators can see that count. Yeah, and I, I think that's really smart. I mean, you, yeah, you have the problem where the person who's being flagged is going to be upset. You have the problem where you're going to end up with a meta discussion uh, in the thread by other people who agree with or disagree with that flagging. You get this sort of uh, what we call uh, the the king of the shit pile uh, function is something we've tried to avoid on Metafilter by not making the bad stuff visible. Yeah, right. So so yeah, definitely making that moderation view only is smart because that way if someone if someone has a weird objection you know it's just going to be this one off thing it's not going to stack up you're not really going to see much of it you can ignore it no one needs to know that it's being ignored um and then yeah if you get that real volume then you know okay we've got a problem that's exactly how we tend to deal with things on the site as well you know we'll see something will get an odd flag here and there and we'll we check out each flag item to make sure there's nothing wrong but if it's only one flag 
it's probably not a big deal. Whereas we'll see stuff that has five flags. It's like, okay, there's something up. Every once in a while we'll see something that gets like 30 flags because we're all at lunch and, you know, it's been a half an hour and it hasn't been deleted and it's something that really needs to go. Um, but yeah, keeping that all are still pretty low because you guys have a pretty active community. So you would say 30 yeah. is like a, a colossally large number and five would be enough to trigger like serious attention. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it it's it's an opt-in system. You know, if you're a brand new user, you may not even know about the flag system. We don't try to sell it particularly hard. You know, we covered in the FAQ, but who reads the manual, right? Well, so, exactly. So yeah, the people who actually do flag. The nice thing about that is you don't have people just punching a shiny widget as soon as they join the site. They're probably going to learn about flagging in the process of becoming familiar with how the site works and becoming a more active member of the community. Right. So by so, the time but- they start flagging, they kind of know what's up and they aren't just flagging frivolously. Right, 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 right. We have like severe warnings around this. Like, in fact, there's like a JavaScript dialogue. It's like, is this hate speech, abuse, or spam? Uh, because we had people that I think were just explore, exploring the site early on and just like clicking in. I think for fun, uh, for whatever yeah. reason. And yeah, so but between yeah, I mean, you show up, you explore. Yeah, so between the the flags that you guys have and the favorite system, so those are the only real sort of numbers that so yeah. sort of community policing that yeah. you guys have. And beyond that, it's it's pretty much okay on the site to have some sort of civil statement of objection if someone's doing something problematic. We, it's definitely okay and sort of classic thing on the site that people can have a conversation in thread briefly about why something's not a good idea. It works pretty well if nobody freaks out. Uh, we've got that meta talk section that people are explicitly expected to take serious discussions about this stuff too. Right. Um, and then, in theory... Nobody starts a big fight in the thread. In Ask Metafilter, in theory, if there's a problem to question, people flag it and move on. Um, in practice, of course, some people are going to be annoyed enough that they're going to jump in with a comment. They're going to say something uh, nasty in the thread or just say, hey, this sucks. You are a bad person for posting this. You know, That's but not really that, how we want it to work. But, but some of that you said is expected, though. I mean, some of that's yeah, I mean, normal. To a degree, it's going to happen. And if it happens in small doses and is done with a relatively simple tone, it's kind of okay. Um, it really kind of depends. So what do you do in the case of, and we haven't gotten to this point yet, we've flirted with it, and it's obviously a very slippery slope, but in terms of dealing with users who are just, need to be excommunicated for some reason, <laughs> like how do you, what do you do? Uh, like, we, how we, often does it happen, what do you do? We do it very rarely, actually. I mean, as, as far as actually banning someone, it's really not common. Um, setting aside spanners, you know, anybody who's going to come up and, and just like, abuse outright the whole fundamental idea of the site. Yeah, they're going to go. Well, so this um, would cost them $5 at some level, right? Yeah. So that that's already kind of a barrier. Yeah, that's a, that's a good upfront disincentive to come up and act like a jerk, uh, which is kind of nice. <laughs> Normally, yeah, exactly. it's free. It's free to be a jerk. You can just be a jerk for nothing. Yeah, so there's so many places where they can get better bang for their buck as far as that goes, if that's all they want to do. Um, so yeah, it, we'll give people timeouts. Um, you know, give them 24 hours that they can't uh, log into the site uh, or or a week if they're really seeming like they're kind of unhinged or need a break. Um, and we do that occasionally, uh, but it's really not common. Mostly what we do is deal with uh, Matt and Jess and I all write a fair amount of email every single day, including, you know, we'll drop someone online and say, hey, this is kind of a problem. Uh, you need to cut it out. You know, talk to me about this if this is going to be an issue. Um, and that works most of the time. Uh, we don't get a whole lot of crazy raging cases, I think, because of the paid sign-up as a barrier to keep a lot of the really not-so-random drive-by people out. And beyond that, yeah, we we uh, try and work with people. Uh, as much as anything, we may talk them to death in email if they really just want to fight. Um, and then once they've uh, <laughs> wasted our time and spent themselves, they go away in their own right. You know, they... Uh, right. We, we, don't, we don't usually have to just nuke someone very often because most people will either chill out or just go away of their own accord. Well, there's obviously some scaling issues there because you started with Matt and then Jessman and yeah. you. And so, I mean, it looks like the staff has been growing over time. I assume to keep up with this administrative overhead of sort yeah, of... That's, that, that, that's definitely a big part of it. I mean, that's what brought Jessman on in the first place was when Matt realized it was just too big for him to keep doing as a one-man affair. And uh, same thing bringing me on uh, when it continued to grow. One um, thing we flirted with was having users sort of rate each other um, but yeah. Joel quickly headed me off at the pass there and felt that that would lead to what he called bad high school days flashbacks of yeah. sort of in club. Hey, 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 we can have them rate each other's pictures. 
<laughs> I, I don't yeah, think you should definitely have a best. You, yeah, you should have a best smile badge. I was thinking more like we already got Wikipedia, Reddit, and uh, um, Sex Exchange. Why not also have Hot or Not? <laughs> it, it, it could work. You know, you, you've already got the the voting architecture. Just you know. Yeah. I no, have, I, it's. I did have one complaint about a gravatar that somebody set up that uh, several people found. <laughs> Offensive. It was it was a religious space thing, uh, but I emailed him and he did cut it out. So when you say you email somebody and say hey please cut it out, <laughs> uh, I like that because it, it sets up a connection between you and the user and and, and I like that. It's about community. I mean I, I believe deeply yeah. in the community, um, but obviously there's a scale issue there where if you know I'm having to mail a hundred users a day, it's like my life sort of ends, right? <laughs> yeah, and 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 the scale thing is obviously a, a real concern with Metafilter. We've been trying to keep it from going crazy with scale. I mean, the site's obviously grown continually over the last nine years and it's going to keep growing. Uh, but it's not, it's not zooming. You know, we're not trying to turn this into something that's going to scale to a million users. Uh, you know, I can't imagine what that Metafilter would look like. And that may be a little bit different from how people uh, are approaching these type of things. You know, you see someone who wants to set up a new community site. They may really look for, they want to be hit. They want it to be big. They want it to be huge. But to some extent, that kind of scaling, if what you're doing is primarily social, yeah, you're kind of you're kind of trying to set up Yahoo Answers, and right. Yahoo Answers is not what I consider you know a success as no something with utility. Anybody would gauge Yahoo Answers as success, although there are some surprisingly, if you dig, it's kind of like YouTube in that yeah, you, yeah, you can find this stuff. You can find comment streams on YouTube that are actually good. I mean, it's sort of a myth that there aren't any. Um, and I think the same thing with Yahoo Answers. There are in, there are some questions that work, but yeah, if you can round out, it's just yeah, I think Jeff, it's tricky. And if you can, Jeff, think about like the whole scaling problem. If you have one person who's who's making uh, stupid gravitars that are problematic on a huge site, even if you have ten people, it's still does does you still have the same proportion of people that have this particular and that have this particular problem or that 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 are antisocial in this particular way. And, right. you know, if that proportion is low enough, who cares? So there's a one, one or two people that are doing unacceptable things. You the chances that anybody will even encounter them on the site are very slim. You know what I yeah, mean? And like, if you provide something like an offensive flagging or a way for people to let you know if there's a problem, then, yeah, even when it does come up, you can deal with it as you go. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a, a huge issue. Um, if you can, if you can keep on top of it, obviously if it scales past your ability to control it in that fashion, you have to find another way. Right. Uh, well, I can see now where you can, flagging content seems safer because if you're flagging a person, that it be, does become kind of personal at that point. It's like yeah. you could say, okay, this meta filter post that you made, we really feel is not a good post. But then if you flag the person, you feel like you're saying, okay, this person is not a good person, <laughs> right? You're separating like the person from their actions, which I think <laughs> is probably the yeah. right solution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, that's the sort of thing. If if you've got a user who's really causing problems to the point where people are flagging a lot of their content, uh, behind the scenes as moderators, you can see that easily enough. I mean, we certainly, uh, as far as aggregate experience go, me and Matt and Jess can really, really tell if a user is a problem. We don't need anybody to be able to, you know, put a black mark on that user's record for the public to see. You know, we if, if we get repeated issues, yeah, we're going to talk to that person, you know. And then, yeah, it, without it having to be a spectacle, you don't have this sort of aspect of public shaming necessarily is how it's handled, uh, which I think is a good thing. I, I really dislike that aspect of, of how things work on some sites. I, I don't like the idea that what you're going to do is, you know, mock your users in public as a way to uh, deal with them. And, and you know, it's, it's, that's certainly not a, a unanimous feeling. There's, there's a certain social value to, you know, public shaming, but it's not something that I think... Uh, it's certainly not something I think works very well on Metafilter, and I think in any site that's really trying more for community than sort of function that happens to have people driving it. Right. You know, if you really want a community, you got to have that mutual respect all around, which means you don't have the people in charge, uh, you know, treating users, even jerky users, you know, like like crap. You know, you, you got to sort of you got to take the high road. Period. Right. Uh, no, which I is love hard that. To do. I love that. Yeah, respect. It is really about that because how can you have trust without respect? So. I think you're right, and I think Joel sort of saved me from making a major mistake in that regard by implementing sort of the scarlet letter of <laughs> you have been yeah. misbehaving. Probably would have been a huge mistake, and that's one of the reasons yeah. we have calls like this and we have discussions like this. Uh, we don't, you know, people have accused me of trying to like 
let the technology control the users, but I actually try to think about it a lot before I even implement anything. I don't just assume the software is going to do the job um, and, and head myself off for making bad decisions. So, Joel, did you have any further questions for Josh? Uh, uh, not, right, not right now. Okay. I just want to make sure we got them all. I'm going to um, think of it as soon as we get off the call. I'm going to be like, wait a minute, what did you do about but I, I love I love Metafilter. I mean, I'm not super active. I do have an account. I did pay the five dollars or whatever. I'm actually in there's coding horror. And I think I was kind of afraid to post actually because I viewed it as such high quality. I wasn't sure I could ever meet the bar. <laughs> actually, maybe that's that, a good that, thing. Uh, it's you know it's we didn't really engineer it in on purpose, but uh, the fear that new people feel about making posts to the front page I think is actually part of what makes it stay pretty good. You know, a lot of people have actually expressed in MetaTalk that they don't post because they're not sure they'll do a good enough job. I've always, you know, I've always been worried about that because actually I, I, I have the exact same problem, which is that I keep discovering pockets of people that won't apply for a job as a programmer at Fog Creek because we have a reputation as being so strict about who, who we hire. And uh, unfortunately, the thing I'm afraid of is that a lot of the people that are really, really good don't think they're that good. And a lot of the people that yeah. are not good think that they are that good. And so for people to self-censor themselves as saying, I'm not that good, I'm not going to apply, or I'm not going to post to the homepage of Metafilter, or I'm not going to ask my question, maybe, uh, you know, you, you, you definitely get a, you, you get filtering, but I don't know if it's necessarily quality-based filtering. Yeah, it's, it's a mixed bag, because, yeah, you, I, I've seen the same thing. And it's interesting, the front page, we have sort of that fear aspect where some people, you know, won't post, or are at least very hesitant and slow to finally post because they're worried about that. But then you look at the Ask Metafilter side of it, and it's so much more obviously uh, let us help you out with something function that I don't think we see that at all. We see people who sign up, and uh, we make people wait a week before they can post their first question to avoid, again, a speed bump to some of the random spammy stuff. And we get email probably once a week from someone saying, hey, what do you mean I have to wait a week? So, you know, there's complete inversion of that. You have people who are really enthusiastic to jump in because anybody can ask a question. It's not like writing a post about you know seventeenth century art, or buying anybody a hand. Can ask you know, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so 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 yeah, it's 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 an interesting sort of dynamic in the site itself across the different parts. Right. Well, Josh, thank you so much for coming on, and I really yeah, no, thank enjoyed, you very much for having. I enjoyed the thread, and I continue to enjoy Metafilter. And additionally, if you have any thoughts, you know, after looking at Stack Overflow, anything that you think we're doing wrong or yeah, I mean, I would love to hear in you know yeah, no, I'll, thoughts. I'll definitely, uh, I'll definitely let you know. I'll, I'll be exploring the site some. Yeah. All right. Great. So we usually cut these off in an hour to you know, save our listeners' ears. Uh, <laughs> very you know, so we wasted some of it in Joel and I's jibba jabba up front. Jibba. Um, jabba. But Joel, any any final things before we go? Well, we have a couple of announcements. First of all, the new office means that we have a T1 line for our phones. Which means I have a number that you can call if, if uh, <laughs> you, meaning our listeners, uh, uh, we now have a phone number to call into the show, uh, leave a message, uh, leave some comments or something you want us to talk about, uh, ask questions about the site or just general questions uh, about uh, uh, life um, in English, preferably. Uh, less than 90 seconds. The phone number is uh, 646-826-3879. Um, that's uh, in the United States. For our international listeners, so do whatever it takes to make your phone make a little plus, and and then press one because that's our country code here, uh, and then six four six eight two six three eight seven nine. That's the Stack Overflow mailbox, uh, which you can call, uh, leave a message, and uh, if uh, it's good, we'll play it on the show. Um, also, you could just record an MP three if you want and uh, email it to podcast at stackoverflow.com. In the meantime, uh, the, the site is now live, so we don't have to advocate for any kind of beta testers or anything like that. Um, it's at, uh, what's the URL of our website again, Jeff? It's very complicated. Stack. It's stackoverflow.com. Stackoverflow.com. Thanks, Jeff. And uh, finally, um, what is it that we always say? Oh, yes, there's a transcript of this show. Um, uh, there's a transcript wiki. It's a wiki where people contribute to a transcript of the show, um, which is very helpful for um, finding things that we said which are embarrassing later or for quoting the show from your blog. <laughs> or, uh, right, you did that yesterday. Or um, right, here. No, no, I, I, the people who are transcribing, thank you so much because I love being able to quote the things we've said here. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's deeply, deeply appreciated. And I think we've got to work out some more of a reward system for the people doing the wiki work, honestly. That's you just make them badges. Just give them badges. That's <laughs> just an infinite supply of these badges that I'm pressing out over here. <laughs> it's the transcript wiki badge. Yeah. Um, 
And uh, uh, hey, you know, the whole idea of Stack Overflow is built on the concept that we don't need to reward people, that people do things out of the goodness of their own heart. That is true. But I find that it gets done a lot faster when you're worth <laughs> it. really does. Disagree. It really, really does. Disagree. Yeah. Okay. So if you're, if you're doing the transcript out of the goodness of your heart, transcribe things that I'm saying. And if you're doing the transcript because you believe that you're going to get some kind of a badge or that Jeff is going to owe you one in some future universe or that you'll get some coupons in the mail good to buy songs on, on, on Rock Band 2, uh, transcribe things that Jeff said. And we'll see who gets more of their jibba-jabba transcribe next okay. week. Right. <laughs> in the meantime, <laughs> uh, in the meantime um, once again, the phone number is 646-826-3879, which goes to a, a voicemail box. Um, leave us a message, and we'll play it on the next show. Thanks very much, and see you all next week. And thanks to Josh. Yep, thank you. Thanks, Josh. You've been listening to Stack Overflow with Jeff Atwood and Joel Spolsky. The Conversations Network is a 501c3 nonprofit, and we need your help. For a tax-deductible donation of as little as $5 per month, you can support this channel and the rest of the Conversations Network. So please visit conversationsnetwork.org to become a member and help us continue to bring our programs to the world for free. Our audio files are delivered by Limelight Networks, the high-performance content delivery network for digital media. The post-production audio engineer for this program was Joel Spolsky. Our website editor was Jeff Atwood. The series producer is Jeff Atwood. This is Phil Windley. I hope you'll join me next time for another great presentation from Stack Overflow here on IT Conversations.